Who in the room likes chocolate chip cookies? Like, like, who would like a chocolate chip cookie? Why are you standing up, man? Jeez. All right, so here's the deal. We had some left over, and I have chocolate chip cookies. Someone can take the one that I broke off of. Would one of you like this? Here, you can have it. We're throwing these, so you better learn how to catch. Because I have cookies. Nobody get hurt. That, that happened. Yep. We'll go way back there. And you know what? There's two more. Someone come get them. Done. Was anybody hurt in the flying saucer that was a chocolate chip cookie? Everyone good? Yes? Um, you're welcome. So, now that we're getting started, I'm going to put that there. Close. Uh, how y'all doing tonight? We good? All right. It's good to be back up here hanging out with y'all. Last week you got to hang out with Brad, that attractive man. And um, it is it was a good message that he gave. Um, we are going to continue and finish out the series called Trending. And what we're doing in the series is really looking at the things that are trending and are hot topics in the world around you and your culture and how you should respond to them, both as a follower of Jesus and how we should respond as the church. So tonight we're going to talk about something that uh, many of you know about. Um, most of you desire and want, and some of you have experienced. We're talking about love. Mm. Who in the room has ever been in love before? I don't know why I just said it like that. I really apologize. Um, but we're going to talk about love. And the reason why we're going to talk about this is because I believe that this topic is absolutely trending on our world. And how we choose to respond to it matters a lot. Because if we're not careful, we can get lost and the associations that happen about how we should define ourselves and how we group ourselves and how we find ourselves in the midst of this pursuit of love. So before we, uh, before we go, there's one particular facet of this that we're going to talk about tonight, but I thought we should have some fun. So let's just hear some response throughout the room. Let's have a little dialogue, not just monologue from the bearded guy on stage. Uh, let me hear from you. What is one thing in the world that you absolutely love the most? Don't give me, listen, and we all would say Jesus. So just give me, give me legit answers. What's something you, what's something you love the most? Say it again. Food, period. Just food. So baby food and boiled Brussels sprouts and yeah, you're disgusting. All right. So that's not a good answer. Somebody, somebody, what's something you love? Cheesecake. My man. Time to, time, to, time to football, shameless plug, Hassan Khan. All right, so I'm going to go back to the one that matters. Cheesecake. Well done. Give me some more. What's another answer? P pasta? Ju just pasta. I just like a good noodle. Just pasta. All right. Somebody else that's not that weird. Yes, I need a lady. What'd you say? Why not short walks on the beach? Why not sitting in a chair reading in the beach? Why has it got to be a long walk on the beach? I like them too. It's okay. I like sunsets while walking long on the beach. So romantic. All right. Uh, let me get another one. Somebody. Ryan, you got one in the back? He loves Pokemon. Anybody grow up loving Pokemon? I see you, Ryan. All right. I need, I need a few more. Let's have some fun with this. You already said time to football. You don't get another thing that you love. What you got, bro? What you got, TGIF? I don't know what that is. 
And uh, all right, he likes um, ammunition and guns. That's good. Uh, all right, right here. Huh? Golf? You love golf? Me too. Such a good answer. I know it's not what you're saying, but I'm turning into that. Pogs? You love dogs. That's sweet. I bet you're such a good pet owner. All right, give, give me one more. What's, what, what restaurant do you love the most? I just like... Fajita veggies just hit me in the face from this side. Like your breath, I guess. You all went there. All right, so here's the deal. <clears throat> there are many things in the world that we love that we would say, I love this. And for all of you in the room that are basic like me, there's one thing in particular that you love, and there's a specific way that your reaction should be to this one thing that you love. And I can't do it. I got to show it to you. It's this. Oh, my God. I love Chipotle. Chipotle is my life. How many of you have seen that before? Who's never seen that? Oh, play it again. Sweet mercy, play it again. Oh, my God. I love Chipotle. That little kid, right? Now, who who agrees? Can I get an amen? Yes. And all the girls in the room said, "Mm mm-hmm, I love that place. Now, actually, I know this to be true. There is, this is the extent of our love and addiction for Chipotle, especially me. Um, There's a girl I know that created a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for her Chipotle addiction so that people would pay for her to go and get Chipotle more often than she could. And it was totally a joke and people totally gave money to it. Like most ridiculous thing ever, right? Now what that says is that that food tastes really good and it's non-GMO and I'll start, stop talking real crunchy and organic right now, but it's really, really good for you. Okay. And it's tastes so just delicious and it's so much food like if you order anything besides a bowl you're an idiot because you get four times the food in a bowl it just I'm hungry you know what I mean (laughs) I love that thing I love I love I love Chipotle and we would all agree right now listen to what just happened I just said I love Chipotle and you know what else I love I love my wife so I love Chipotle. Okay, well, let's play this out again. Uh, y'all, I love my kids. I got two kids. I got a three-year-old son named Bowen. My wife just texted me. This is like no joke. Can't make this up. When I was standing over there, she said, without being prompted, Bowen just said, this is my son. Without being prompted, Bowen just said, if it would load up, there it is. Uh, without being prompted, Bowen just said with zero, with zero prompting, I miss daddy. I really miss daddy. Like, bye, y'all. I'm going home. You know what I mean? I love my kids. My son, Bowen, my 18-month-old daughter, Charlotte, they're incredible. You know what else I love? Fantasy sports. Love it. And the NFL and anything sports. Like, so I just said in the same context, the same word, I love Chipotle and I love my wife and I love my kids and I love fantasy sports. Now, see, here's what our world has done. And the overusage of the context that we deliver of the word L-O-V-E, we have missed something because we have watered down that word so much that we associate it with everything around us. We associate it so easily with, with anything in our world. And the danger in this is that we start to, as a result of that, water down the way that we view things that actually require love. 
So the danger is that we lose the meaning and, and the luster of our family and our relationships, of our dreams, of our sexuality, of our future, of our faith, of our view in God, our view of God. All of these things can be affected simply from the misunderstanding of the true worth and the true meaning of love. So what we want to talk about tonight is how do we find the accurate depiction of love? Love in its truest form, because I can tell you it ain't Chipotle, okay? How do you find love in its truest form, and what does it even mean? How do we understand what love truly is? I think one of the biggest pieces in our culture, uh, one of the biggest places that wants to talk about this, comes in the form of a hashtag. Hashtag love wins. So how many of you have heard or seen the hashtag Love wins. Raise your hand. How many of you fully understand the context driven behind and the meaning of that hashtag, love wins? Can we just, the connotation for it? We understand? Okay. Love wins is something that's trending right now. It's a culturally relevant topic. And how do we handle it? And so here are my questions on the topic and on the hashtag of love wins and everything involved with it. Does love actually win? Like, play it out. Does love actually win? What does that even mean? And if you play that out all the way to its furthest end, in the context of its hashtag form, is that even true? And if love wins, then that means that something loses. If something wins, something loses. So if love wins, then what loses? See, I think in order to answer any of these questions... And the topic we're going to go after tonight, any, any way to understand the truth of love, we all need a foundation, a consistent, similar foundation for where we're going off of. Now, what you can do is that you can drive that foundation of what you think love is from many places. It can come from your own thoughts, your own experiences, the culture around us, what five Supreme Court justices say, what a rallying hashtag says, or... It can come from the true source of love and the greatest love letter ever written in the history of humanity, the Bible. This is a foundation that is consistent and true and and absolutely proven over time to consistently be there in every sense of the culture. The context and the cultural issue that love wins surrounds is nothing new. This has been around for millennia. And cultures dating back to before Jesus and thousands of years before. So if we're not careful, we can, we can find what our definition of love is from everything around us. Sorry, everything around us from, from the culture and what other people say and what MTV says and this other, this other movement of this hashtag. Or we can find it in the Bible. And so like everything else in this series, we're looking at things in our culture that they would say is true. That the world would say is true. And how the Bible actually says something different. Here's the danger that I want you to be aware of tonight. You'll never find your value and your true identity through the association of a group, a party, a preference, your sexuality, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, one day your spouse, your family, your children, your job, your wealth, any of it. You'll never find your value and your identity in those things. Nothing in the world can define you because the world didn't create you. God did. And God, your creator, 
formed you and fashioned you and knows you and loves you. And he shows you exactly what love is. And the Bible shows us exactly what love is. So we're going to look at it tonight. What actually then is the truest form of love? Because if it's not Chipotle, and it's probably not what the culture would say of some hashtag, then what is it? So tonight I want to right-size your understanding of love and the truest form of what it is. In order to get this, we got to figure out what does the Bible actually say love is. Vodi Bauckham is a guy, this preacher, he goes around and teaches. He's one of the best teachers on marriage I've ever seen. Vodi Bauckham says this, Biblical love, you know what biblical love is? Biblical love is like the start of a definition. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. I'm going to say it again. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. In other words, it has everything to do with the other person. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. In other words, what it's saying is love is not an affectionate feeling, is what C.S. Lewis says. Love is a choice. It's an act of the will accompanied by your feelings. And the world would tell you that love is all about this reciprocated feeling, this fairy tale, this Cupid shoots his arrow, and then now she loves me at first sight. No, no, that's, that's a feeling. That's an emotion. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. And culture would tell you that, it, no, it's a feeling. Go get it. Go find it wherever you can. Fall in love as many times as you desire with as many hot people as you think. And then the moment you don't think they're hot anymore, leave and go find someone else that you think's hot. This is what the world would tell you. But thankfully, not all of the culture around you would say that. Recently in an interview, somebody was giving, giving a response to some questions and gave their definition of what they think love is. And I'm going to read it to you, and then at the end of this, we're going to have a fun little game of figuring out who in the world said this. So, listen in. Here's the interview. You also fell in love at an early age. Yes. What did you learn from it? Don't fall in love. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It says, ha ha. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually reading that. What'd you learn from it? Don't fall in love. Ha, no, I'm just kidding. I learned a lot. I moved in with my girlfriend when I was 18. Started my own life with her. It was a marriage kind of thing. Living with a girl. It was just too much at that age. But we were so in love. Nothing else mattered. We were all about each other. But when it's like that, and you get your value from that, people will always disappoint you. Your girl or your dude, they're always going to disappoint you. Your full identity can't be in that person. But my identity was in her. Her identity was in me. When stuff would happen, I would lose my freaking mind, and she would lose her mind, and we would fight so hard because we were so invested in each other. But love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. People have made it seem in movies that it's this fairy tale. That's not what love is. You're not going to want to love your girl sometimes, but you're going to choose to love her. That's something in life that I had to figure out. I can't lean on people. I got to lean on God. I got to trust in him through all my situations. Then, hopefully, my other relationships will flourish around me. But if I'm going to be so invested in you, if you die or something happens to you, I'm going to be destroyed and I won't be able to go on. Now, my wife read this on my computer and like 
was almost borderline pissed off for a second because she thought it was me. She's like, this kind of sounds like you. Did you live with someone when you were 18? Like, is there something we need to talk about? And I was like, babe, calm down. No, not me. Not, I promise you that's not me. Um, but anybody want to take a wild guess who they think it is? If you know who it is, don't raise your hand. If you want to take a guess at who you think it is, somebody, somebody be brave enough to just yell out a name. Who'd you, who'd you say? He said Bono. Who else? Kanye. Who'd you say? That is Justin Bieber. Who, who already read that? Who's heard of that before? So if you heard, if you heard the wisdom in this, Justin Bieber just delivered a truth bomb to the world. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And what he talked about in this is is such incredibly sound and wise dating advice. You can't get wrapped up in the other person and find your identity in them. Because whenever you do that, if they leave, you're done. Your identity's gone. So he's been hanging around somebody with a lot of wisdom. And there's a lot we can learn from this. And thankfully... All of the world isn't telling you the opposite. Someone like this in this interview is telling you the truth. And I wrote down a joke that I'm going to say, and I'm I'm telling you that it's a joke, and I'm saying it so that I can just go ahead and make fun of myself. And I believe what he's saying. Sorry, I had to try. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, No, no, no. It's dumb. I apologize. Uh, This is church. I can ask for forgiveness. Good. Thanks. Okay. Deep breath. But it's true. That's truth. That's wisdom. So much so that my wife of five years would read it and say, like, I almost thought that was you. A pastor. Nope. Justin Bieber. And his viewpoint, his viewpoint on love, it's accurate because it comes from the Bible. That's why it's accurate. And here's how the Bible describes love. So what I want to do is I want to give you a flurry of Scripture and understanding the context of of what biblical love is and when it happens and why it happens and how you respond to it. So first, they're going to be up on the screen. You don't have to follow along. You can look up here. The very first one we're going to look at, it comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. They'll put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. You follow along. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. That's the definition. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And we are called to love after he's loved us in this way. We see it in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? A lawyer was asking him. A lawyer asked what's the greatest commandment in the law. He already knows the answer. He's trying to trick Jesus. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So loving God first is the most important thing then that you can do. Now why, why should we love God? God is love. God offers us his love. And we, are, we can love because we were first loved by him. It happened with him first. And so we respond in love. We reflect it back to him first. It's the first thing we do. Why? I want you to listen to a story that Jesus shares that displays the love of God for you. It comes from the book of Luke, chapter 15. Many of you may have heard it before, but I'm going to read through the story. And I want you to listen to how love is shared to you and why we love him. Jesus is telling a story to people gathering around him, primarily the Pharisees, who don't understand. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now pause. What the son is telling the father is, I wish you were dead. I have an inheritance awaiting me, but the thing that's keeping me from getting my inheritance is you. So do whatever it takes, but I want what's owed to me. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be under your roof. I don't want to be around you or my brother. I want, I want to do me. I'd rather you were dead so that I could have what I want. Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And so the father divided his property between the two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. So this is a guy that would have an inheritance and a lot of land and a father and servants, and now he's out feeding pigs. That's how low it's gotten for him. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate from, from their troughs, but no one would give him anything. Keep going. Is it there? Should be more. If there's not, I'll read it. Is that, is that a no? Like when you put up that, that slide, is that a hard, like hard pass? Is that what that is? All right, let me find it. So no one would give him anything. I'll keep reading. Should have had this right. <clears throat> but when he came to himself, when the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, I'll go back home. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So his tail's between his legs, and he starts to go back home, fully ashamed of what he's done. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now what I want you to see is that that means the father was waiting for him. The father was sitting there, Day after day after day, awaiting his son to come home. 
And the son's coming home thinking up all these excuses and all this forgiveness and all this remorse and how can I ask for forgiveness in such a way to where I won't be cast out and he'll let me back in his land. Maybe he'll make me one of his hired servants, not even his son. And the father sees him a long way off, puts all this stuff down and runs, sprints to go find his son and grabs him, embraces him, and he kisses him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, everyone around him, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat it and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then they began to celebrate. The father wanted to hear nothing of the son's excuses or begging for forgiveness or remorse. He automatically forgave him. He loves him. And it's the exact picture of the grace that Jesus offers us. You don't have to go and get clean before you come to God. You come to God and he'll make you clean. And his arms are forever like this. See, this is why we choose to love God. Yes, he loves us first, so now we have access to do it. But we choose to love God because of what we see. In Romans 5, verse 8. If it's there, I'm just going to read it. But God shows us his love. But God shows his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is not a single thing that you can do to earn that love. You are lost, you are in darkness, and you are in sin, and yet Christ died for you. He loves you. And as a result of that, we love him. Because he loved us first, we love him. Now what we're doing is setting the proper context of what love is tonight. So how does it play itself out? Because in doing so, what you're seeing is that the world would tell you that finding love is actually all about you. And your fulfillment. And getting someone to reciprocate your emotional feelings back to you. But that's selfish. And what we just saw is that love is not selfish. Love is selfless. Biblical love is selfless. So many people think that the opposite of love is hate. How many of you, if I said, what's the opposite of love, you would have said hate? Just be honest. Okay? Hate is not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is pride. Because pride makes your love all about you. But love is selfless. It's all about the object. Biblical love is an act of the will, accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object, not on behalf of you. And so when we talk about love, and you try to associate yourself or accompany yourself or rally behind a hashtag or rally behind a decision or fall in with a party line or join some group or associate your identity with some preference, what you have to understand is whenever you do that, you're making it about you. And love is not about you. Love is selfless. It gives itself up. And Jesus shows us this in John chapter 15, verse 9 through 14. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And so Jesus' offer to us is this reality that God is love. And we see the greatness of his love through the most selfless act in the history of humanity. Jesus stepping down out of heaven and coming to earth and willingly dying for you. So when he does this, what you have to understand is that there's a punishment and there's a wrath that you've earned because of your sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in your sin, you've earned punishment and judgment and wrath. And you've deserved death. And yet Jesus said, but I love you so much. I'm going to take everything that you've earned and you've deserved. And I'm going to put it on myself. And I'm going to hang on this cross. And I'm going to willingly allow myself to die. Taking your punishment upon me as a sacrifice for you. A perfect sacrifice for you. Because I love you. And when he did that, he died. But that's not the end of the story. Easter comes. Because Jesus rose from the dead. So what happened is, you deserve death. Jesus died. Fully experienced the death that you deserve. And when he did that, he went and then defeated death. Took the keys from death. And said, now you can have life. Through me, because I've defeated it. You haven't defeated it. You can't defeat it. It's where you're going unless you trust in me, unless you love me, unless you give your life to me and understand that the true context, the true definition of love is found in me. Not in the world. Not in anything around you. Not in a boy. Not in a girl. Not in a dream or a future or a connotation. Not in a house and a mortgage and a job. Not in your sexuality. Not in your preferences. Not in your party lines. None of it. It's found in Jesus. And so through the biblical definition of love, as a foundation for all of our understanding, we see that God is love and that it comes from him. So go back to the original question. Does love actually win? And if it does, then what loses? The answer is yes, love does win. And it was won a long time ago. A Supreme Court decision did not all of a sudden make love win. Love won when Jesus defeated death for you. The proper context of understanding what love is now allows you to go into the world and see these cultural things and not find your identity and your value in any of them. It doesn't matter what your preference may be. It's not who you are. You are a child of God that is loved. And you find your identity and your value in Him and the one who made you. Don't get it twisted and and start understanding what love actually is. When you make it about you and your associations, what you're doing is you're watering love down and you're slapping Jesus in the face because his love was costly. It cost him his life. It's because he loves you. So when we talk about love, what we have to understand is that much to the dismay of Satan, there's an opportunity to have life. That even though you deserve death, and I do too, and all of us do, and everyone who's ever lived does, through Jesus, there's this opportunity to have life and life eternal. It's exactly what 1 John was. Back to the very first verse that we talked about. 1 John 
chapter 4, look at the first verse. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That means that whenever you trust in him and you love him and you experience God's love, he abides in you. That means you're never going to die because God can't die and he abides in you. So your spirit lives forever. And guess what? No hashtag can claim that. No party line can offer that. No preference can provide that. If you want to know what love is, you look straight to the cross and you find how much he loves you and the display of Jesus' love for you. It's the only place you'll ever find your identity and your value. So maybe some of you walked into this place tonight and you've just completely misunderstood what love actually is. You thought you were going to find it and find your fulfillment because now you found this girl. She's the one. That was for like emphasis. My beard wanted you to know. <laughs> She's the one. Maybe that's been the mentality you've been taking into your life, your entire life, all 20 whatever years you've been living. Or if I could just find that guy, I'll be so right. I just need Mr. Right. Maybe you walked in here and you started to associate yourself in a specific way and finding your identity somewhere in the world around you. And what you have to understand is that your identity is found in God because he's the one that created you and because he loves you. A selfless love, not a selfish love. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. So Jesus' love for you led to action on behalf of you. Maybe you've listened to the world. Maybe you're living a lie. And what it is tonight is a time to right-size your definition of love and start pursuing God's love rather than pursuing someone else's love. The reciprocation of love and affection from someone else will never fulfill you. I have a beautiful wife that I'm madly in love with. She is not my fulfillment. Jesus is, because only he can be. And whenever you try to make someone else that fulfillment, you've made them God, and they will forever disappoint you. That's the truth of Justin Bieber. Thank God he's figured that out. Because then he had that interview and can allow us to see there's some truth in this. So as we pursue love, what you have to understand is that in order to do that, you may need to have some really hard conversations with other people or with yourself. Maybe it's time to get out of some relationships. Maybe it's time to go and find some posts that you made and take them down. Because the other side of this is that how Jesus would approach this has nothing to do with hate. It has nothing to do with pushing people away. Before he ever told someone, go and sin no more, he invited them in to have a conversation. So maybe whatever you've done to put up a wall and, and, and eliminate the opportunity of that, you need to go take that post down and start understanding what love looks like, how love acts. And maybe for some of you, you need to just approach God in prayer and ask him to overwhelmingly show you how much he loves you and believe in that because you'll never find your love, your joy, and your peace in anything other than God. So go ask him to show it to you. My prayer for you tonight is that you'd walk out of this place with a, complete different, a completely different understanding of the definition of love and how you choose to use the word love. Right? I love Chipotle and I love my wife. There are different variations of that love and of the word and the meaning behind the love, obviously. But in the exact same understanding, we can flippantly use that word and not ever fully grasp what it means. The true definition and vision of love is found in Jesus. And it's the only place you'll ever find that for yourself. So what we want to offer for you is an opportunity to respond. 
to reflect, to respond, however the Holy Spirit may have prompted you tonight. For some of you, maybe there's some conviction. For some of you, maybe it's a reminder of the love God's given you, and so what you want to do now is worship Him. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into a time of worship, of worship and response. And so the band's going to lead through a song, and then after that song, if you need to leave, awesome, you can go. There's no dismissal tonight. That's it. You're old enough to figure it out whenever it's time for you to leave. Mass, did you stay for that song out of respect for others? And then after that, they're probably going to keep going into more worship. But as you do this, as we go into it, for some of you maybe, it's going to be that you need to just sit where you are and write out your prayers and figuring out what in the world's going on. Maybe some of you need to fall on your face and beg God to forgive you for missing this view and this definition of love. Maybe for some of you, it's that you need to go and pray and ask God to show you that he loves you and start believing in him and pursuing his love. Maybe you need to ask somebody else to pray for you. And see, I believe that that's something very powerful in this place, the freedom that we offer up the Holy Spirit to move when we do that. And so during this song, our leaders are going to be scattered around the back. They're in the blue shirts here to pray for you. So if you need prayer, go find them. That's why they're here. Let them pray for you. But whatever it is for you, my only ask is that you be obedient. So if you want to stand up and worship and sing your heart out and just reflect the love back to Jesus that he's already given to you because he loved us first, then do that. But for some of you, maybe it's, it's a different way of responding and figuring out what this looks like for you. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into this time. I love you guys. We're going to keep doing this. A new series next week. You don't want to miss it. We're going to kind of get into the foundations of what it means to actually follow Jesus. So how do you, act, like, how do you actually read your Bible? How do you actually pray? What does it mean to actually worship? We're going to talk through these things in the next few weeks. So I'm going to pray. You respond as God leads. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to understand your truth, to hear your word, to hear the gospel, the good news that we don't have to be lost in our sin, that we can find life in you. And Father, I know that it can be extremely confusing approaching topics and and trending things in our world and knowing how to navigate them and how to approach them from a biblical mindset, a biblical context, and in a way that would, would honor and follow Jesus. So, Father, I'm asking that your strength would be with every person in this room. God, I'm asking that you would give the courage for everyone here to be obedient to you, however you're prompting. So, Holy Spirit, don't hold back. Run wild in this place. You are free to move. This is your room. And as you do that, would you give us the courage and the boldness and the strength and then follow you to follow upon that to get out of things we don't need to be in, to put boundaries around our world, to change our mindset and our hearts, and ultimately to follow you because you love us. If nothing else is heard tonight, may we understand that you are love and you offer your love to us. So God, I thank you for that. I praise you for that. And I pray that you be glorified over the next few moments as we respond in worship to you, as we respond in prayer to you, as we respond in, in coming before you and just saying, we need you. So show us how much you love us because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.